This week on the Restore It All podcast, we'll be talking about the top five cybersecurity threats from 2022, as discussed in this year's RSA conference keynote. Hi, and welcome to Pack of Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W.C. Curtis, w. Wow. Curtis Preston. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's just... You will not usurp my authority. <laughs> so welcome, folks. Welcome to the Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I am your host, and I actually know how to say my name, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my voter abuse stress counselor, Persona Malianti. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Curtis, how are you doing after, so you volunteered at the elections and yeah. you were a site manager Yeah. and for the listeners, if you want to understand how elections work, we did a podcast, uh, last year was it? No, back in 2020 with a couple of years ago Mark with my Thompson. first site manager. Yeah. Election yeah. poll site manager explains us election systems. Yeah. We'll take a listen to that, but yeah, you were in the primaries helping out and you had <clears throat> yeah. an interesting time. Yeah, it's, um, I, you know, I'll say the same thing to anybody that anyone that's curious, if, if you do not trust our election system, then I would suggest you go volunteer as a poll worker. It, it, it is an incredibly information filled experience. <laughs> and, um, and, that, and that's what we talk a lot about, about that in that podcast. And then I wrote a blog, something like, how hard it would be to actually hack the elections, mm -hmm. the, how absolutely improbable so many of the things that people are saying happened, how absolutely improbable that, I mean, there's no proof that it did happen and, and how difficult it would be to do that. And, and, and the closer you get to the actual process, the more you understand what I'm saying. But I will tell you that the process of volunteering to be a poll worker, especially election day, which is I get there at 630 in the morning and I'm there till about 10 o'clock at night. It's and a long day. It's a long day. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny that California or San Diego County, anyway, we do four days of voting. In fact, there are some sites, there's 203 sites, I think, voting sites and about a dozen of them are open 11 days. Oh my God. Could you and imagine the, doing that? Yeah. I, I basically said a big fat no when they said, I was like, listen, I got a job. I can't be, I can't be leaving for 11 days. I mean, doing if I'm going to leave for 11 right? days, what's that? Doing the podcast is your job, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I was like, I was like, I, I, you know, I, I have zero interest in 11 day site, but I was at a four day site. And for the first three days, we got a whopping, like a grand total of about 32 people over three day period. And then on election day, we got 266 people, oh my which gosh. is significantly more than 32. Yeah. And, just a little. And, and everybody's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you were open. It's like, it's like, I guess you don't listen to the news or the radio or anything that that's part of the problem is, you know, nobody watches the news or listens to the, like what's a radio, right? The, the, or the, checks their mail because yeah, you got, checks, they, 
because yeah. they sent out flyers. They're like, yeah. hey, here are those sites that are open ahead of yeah. time. Go vote early. Yeah. So, and of those 266 people, I'd say 10% of them were abusive hmm. uh, to, to one degree or another. Um, you know, you just want to curl up in the fetal position. Yeah. And, and as a site manager, I take the abuse, right? Yeah. I take the, I take the crazy questions. Um, you know, I had a, I had a Sharpie gate question, which I don't know if you, if you remember Sharpie gate, but this, this thing of like that people were being handled Sharpie, handed Sharpies instead of the official ballot marking pens. And if you got a Sharpie, then your ballot wouldn't count, which was nonsense. But mm. that was, that was one of the, and somebody actually asked me about that. I was like, well, first off, not relevant to the current election because we use a ballot marking device, which is a screen that creates your printed ballot. You will be doing, you know, that's one of the questions. Are we going to get paper ballots? Yes, you are going to use a paper ballot. You're going to create it on that device right over there, Yeah, which is a computer. Is that a Dominion machine? Yes. Yes, that is a Dominion <laughs> machine. But it, you will be able to see the, the thing that it produces, which is your vote. Um, so yeah, just all day long. To, I don't mind questions. I absolutely don't mind questions. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't need the, I don't need the attitude. Yeah. The attitude. Like yeah. I, like I give yeah. everybody the same spiel when they come up to the BMD, that's the ballot marking device. That's, you might call it a voting machine. We do not call it that a voting machine is what we used to do, which is or what some States used to do, which is it records your vote right? This is not a voting machine. This is a ballot marking device. It prints your ballot. And I give this spiel to everybody about how it doesn't store your vote, how it doesn't transmit your vote, and how that you will be able to see your vote before you print it. You'll be able to see your vote after you print it, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this guy who was, you know, an anti-BMD person was like, oh, dear, God, I'll figure it out. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay like i'm just trying to help you vote man you yeah. know like i don't need you to snap at me so so um, i know before we've talked about like everyone at some point in their life should work retail do you think mm -hmm. everyone at some point in their life should work an election i agree yeah i'm yeah i think so and first off it it so san diego county 200 polling sites average of eight people they wanted 10 people per site that's 2,000 employees that are temporary employees that need to be hired and vetted and trained prior to the election. It requires two days of training to be a poll worker, five days to be a site manager. And, it, you know, we we only ended up having seven people. Mm. Let me just tell you, there's a big difference between seven <laughs> and eight and eight, nine, <laughs> you know, on election day. Just try to get, there's no way to get the legally mandated numbers of lunches and breaks and whatnot yeah. and still function as a, as a site. Because each person um, has their sort of role responsibility, right? Their yeah. task. And yeah. it's not we like train, everyone's just doing the same thing. Yeah. We cross train, yeah. right? We cross train across the whole site so that everybody can do every job. But still, even with that, you have people that are better at certain jobs. And yeah. um, so it was, I'm just saying, I, it was, uh, it was a lot of work, and then um, and then we had to tear down everything the next day, and and now I'm uh, today I'm I'm sort of in this is my first day where I get to sort of breathe <laughs> after all of that. I don't yeah. have any election responsibilities, but yeah, crazy, crazy.
Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, I was looking for, and I'll throw out our disclaimer, Prasanna and I work for different companies. He works for Zoom. I work for Druva. And this is not a podcast of either company. These are our opinions and not theirs. And uh, be sure to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And also, if you know, if you listen to this and you you're interested in the things that we're interested in, then just reach out to me at WC Preston on Twitter or W Curtis Preston at Gmail. And we'll get you on, man. You know, <laughs> come join us. Come talk to us. We're a friendly. Come bunch. talk to us about you know tape, disc, backups, archives, security. We love talking security because it's so it's so adjacent. Yeah. to what we do right it's funny i i i grew up hating security <laughs> like when i they were the people I, who would like stop you from doing <clears throat> things right yes yes um you you've been a unix guy for a while you you was rsh still a thing when you started yeah okay so in order to get we used dump mm-hmm. and 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 our dump back in the day Right back before I had a commercial backup utility, the only way that R dump would work is to be able to RSH as root oh, from geez. one server to another without a password. Right, put all those things together, and I just made a security person's yeah. head explode. Back in the days before the internet, <laughs> yeah. well, we were. It was very, very, you know, like internet was just. I remember getting my AOL disc. I was an AOL yeah. customer. <laughs> GG, you got mail. What I remember was just really hating the security folks because all they did, all they ever did was just get in the way of me doing my job. Mm-hmm. And I will say that if you are a backup person, then stop that, right? If that if that's your way of looking <laughs> at data security, because guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about information security. We're going to talk about the well, RSA conference. And for the people who are don't know who their security people are, go talk to them, have a conversation. Like I'm sure you both like both teams are feeling the same sort of pressures and issues and just sort of go chat with them and figure out what you can do together. Yes. You, you both have a common goal, right? Of keeping the company safe. It's just, you look at it from different sides, right? It's like the, that, is that story about the elephant, like the the people approaching the elephant, like one grabs a tail, one grabs like blind people approach it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you crazy? There's, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the story I'm talking about? No. It, it's like three blind guys approaching an elephant. Like one, you know, gets the legs, one gets oh. the trunk, one gets the tail. Okay. And they describe the elephant in three different ways because it's what they're experiencing. You're experiencing the same thing. It's just you're approaching it from a different angle. And and so just talk about it. It's like, listen, I know I know you want to do this. Here's how that makes my job difficult. And he's like, I know you want to do this. So here's how that makes my job difficult. Yeah, Work I need together. access to every single system that's out there. And yeah. <laughs> And those of you that have heard the podcast, or if you've if you've listened to the podcast, I, I more than once I'm sure I've told the story where I worked at at uh, a company where I where the, the security people shut me down in the middle of the thing. It was a Y2K thing. It was it was it, I just I just lost it. But they were just, again they were just trying to do their job. Exactly. Be kind. Uh, 
I mean, they, they did not, in my opinion, they did not do their job because they were specifically told not to do what they ended up doing. And that's why I went, Yeah, you know, crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um, but the security people are your friends. And yep. if you're, a, if you're a security type person listening to this and you, you know, you hate the backup person, please don't. So work together. This headline from, uh, RSA, I found this excellent article in from the RSA conference, just to be yes, clear. Thank you. Yeah. The RSA conference, which stands for. Is it three dudes names? Oh, I was going to say really secure access. Yeah, co-founders, Ron, Adi, and Leonard. Sorry, they're last names. <laughs> okay, thank you. I was I was very confused. Here for Ron Rivest, Adi Shamir, and Leonard Adelman. Well, there you go. RSA. And then what about the SANS Institute? Do you know what that stands for? Secure something, something. Something, something. <laughs> The security people listening to this podcast are like, oh, man. Uh, but anyway, if you're a security person, you know what the SANS Institute is. But Sys Admin Audit Network <clears throat> and Security. Well, there you go. This was a talk at the annual RSA conference. Which I think they do every year. It's kind of like their keynote. The keynote was the top five dangerous cyber threats in 2022. So it's interesting because they are not, um, they are not very similar to what we think the, about normally. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is they're not the ones that they talked about just a year or two ago, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. A year or two ago, they were focused on living off the land attacks, um, command and control, deep persistence, mobile exploit, checkmate, and check rain. I believe that says and threats at the perimeter. This is a very different list. And I got to say, looking at this list, I feel somewhat vindicated because we've been yeah. talking about some of these things for a while. Would you say? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you were talking about earlier in our discussion about like security and backup are there's a lot of overlap there. Right. Even in right. this list that they came up with, there's quite a lot of overlap between like what we normally talk about and think about from like a backup data protection perspective and what they're worried about from a security perspective. Right. So let's talk about the first one and it's called living off the cloud, which may sound familiar for those of you that followed the SANS Institute. So they had this concept of living off the land, which is people that were using system management tools and systems to basically stay persistent and move around laterally within the organization. We talked about lateral movement and minimizing lateral movement in what podcast when we had uh, Snorkel? Do you have do you have the titles up there? Yeah, we did two. One was called Security Expert Rips Okta for the Response to Hack, which probably isn't <laughs> yeah. as resp- uh, isn't as right. relevant. But the next one is Snorkel 42 Security Expert from Reddit explains his security cadence series. That's a really long title. It is. It was done <laughs> yeah, back so in May of this year, of 2020. He talked about the idea of one of the things that you want to do is minimize lateral movement. So in this, it's talking about living off the cloud, which basically just sounds like the the cloud version of living off the land. It is. A, it, it sounds reasonable. I think the one thing they mentioned is 
with the cloud, right? Living off the land, you have access to certain resources and everything else. Cloud, you can just spin up things so quickly and use that as a staging point for so many other attacks, right? That it is um, a lot more scary <laughs> than something that's just within the corporate network, right? Because a right. cloud might not be it. Like, what's to prevent someone from spinning up an EC2 instance in AWS, right? Forgetting and accidentally leaving it open to the internet. And now all of a sudden you have connectivity into that cloud instance, right? An attacker could. And from there, depending on how the networks are configured, they could easily get access to your internal data centers, to other internal services, just because you misconfigured something in your cloud. Right. And then they also talked about that enterprises tend to trust uh, their their own cloud provider. So if yeah. I want to attack you and I know who your cloud provider is, I can create my own cloud. environment inside that cloud provider and potentially allowing me not direct access, but um, you know, th- just slightly easier yeah. because I'm coming from a place you trust. Yep. Um, which I would think is relatively easy to protect against. I don't know. It depends. Again, not an in information security because I, I'm not going to trust you just because you came from AWS. I'm going to trust you because you came from an IP address range or known IP addresses from AWS. But 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 even those known IP address ranges, just because you're spinning up and down so quickly, if they're private IP addresses, sure. But if they're public IP addresses, given how I can quickly spin up, spin down, spot instances, everything else, like. I don't actually know what IP range I will necessarily get for those instances. Well, again, I'm not running a corporate IT network, but I would think that there's a way to deal with that, right? There is. And but I, think that's, be- I think that's the point of this of this thing is to say, address that yeah. concern, right? Yeah. Cloud makes it easy to do all these dynamic things, but make sure you're thinking about how to still secure it, even though things could be dynamic. Right, don't just leave right. it all open. <laughs> right. And then the next is attacks against multi-factor authentication. And I've seen this. Uh, first off, there are many different types of multi-factor authentication. There are different factors, yep. as they are called. There is there is SMS, there's email, there are the little um, the to- you know, the little tokens. Yep. <clears throat> uh, and then there are like apps like Authy or Google Authenticator. There's also, uh, just in my life, I know I also use the Symantec app. Like one of my financial vendors, I have mm. to download the Symantec MFA app as well as the, um, uh, oh, and my my bank has its own authenticator app. Yep. And since we were talking about RSA earlier, right? Remember back in the day, all the key fobs that you would have, Right which would give you the six digit code, which you then use for MFA. And now everyone's moving away from that to, like you said, SMS or one of these apps. And I think the challenge is some of these methods are not as secure as others. And so someone can impersonate, can spoof, can acquire those MFA codes that are being sent to supposedly you, Curtis, but they're intercepting it, if you will, and using it to register their own devices. And once their own device is registered, now they have full access to everything. Exactly. And then and then there's also just a concern when it is a physical token or when it is an app on a phone or when it is an SMS to a phone, 
what process do you have in place for when someone loses their their token? <laughs> no one ever loses their stuff, Curtis. <laughs> right. Or or when they trade in their phone. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the um so and and do you have backup authentication mechanisms? in place for when somebody loses their, their primary authentication mechanism? And do you have a way to disable the, you know, whatever, whatever, I, I think you should have like, like a more secure method, like an app or the token. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're attempting a direct attack on a person or on a company and you've targeted a person, you can very easily target the physical thing that they're using as a token. Yep. Right. Your phone. Um, right. This is what happens often with a lot of the crypto heists that you're seeing is people call into the cell phone provider, pretend to be the person, port the number over to another carrier, do the MFA, get the code and then clear out their crypto wallet. I went to a talk with uh, Kevin Mitnick once, and I know not everybody's a huge fan of Kevin Mitnick, but I learned a lot in that talk about things like how how he gets you know how he hacks into physical physical he he has a lot more social engineering and physical hacking than i would have thought and like and he he does white hat hacking right Mm -hmm. and he talked about getting into a bank by using um um what what are they called the little badges there's a name for that the oh the key badges that you what the key card swipe one? Well, like it's a key card. There's a t- yeah. there's a name for that type of key card. But anyway, he has a scanner that he can scan that if he's he he has two different ones. Ones that he can scan from really close, and the ones that he can scan from like several feet away. Mm-hmm. And he talked about going into a bathroom in the mm-hmm. men's bathroom in a bank where he needed to go, and just waited for a dude to come in. Guys you know, going to the bathroom and he's sitting there scanning the guy's card. Next thing you know, he's got a badge to get into the thing. Yeah. Again, that's why we have MFA, right? So, you know, you need something more than the, the badge. Just, uh, you need yeah. the badge plus a digit, right? Yep. Or a picture. Yeah. Face. Yep. Thumbprint. Something um, else. Hopefully he's not cutting off anybody's thumbs. But, <laughs> all right. Let's so the talk- fourth one yeah. is... Attacks involving stalkerware against mobile devices. Right. This is weird. Yeah. Well, if you think about this, this is a lot around like there is the NSO group, right? You're starting to see a lot of these sort of things being used where people are able to leverage zero day bugs and other things to install spyware, if you will, on mobile devices. And they can do it without requiring any interaction from the user. They're now able to track where the user is going, what they're doing, read your emails, read all your text messages, pull out your MFAs, right? It's all scary stuff. And before we used to think, oh, it's only in spy movies and it won't happen to the common user. Now there's pretty, there's like groups and companies, which this is what they do. And it's kind yeah, of that, that, that freaks me out, right? <laughs> The idea of people just sort of randomly grabbing my somehow these these exploits. That's why I will say, like in my personal life, when whenever Apple comes out with and they're like, 
this is a security update. And I'm like, boom, I'm installing it. Uh, I've, done, yep. I've already, like I'm halfway through reading the article and I've already started installing it. Because yeah, I, don't I think Apple be that is the, yeah, I think Apple products are the only one that I, oh, sorry, iOS products are the only ones that I ins- immediately install. Yeah. My laptop, uh, I'm a little out of date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I, I'm not, I'm not dragging my laptop around like I used to, right? Yeah. I'm look. I'm looking at my laptop right now. It which, has for the moved. record, is never on top of my laptop. It just sits there, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's kind of... So I, I guess the biggest thing there is, again, secure your personal mobile device. Um, Be careful and, if you plug in. Like, I've seen a lot of people, they go and they just take the USB cable and they're like, oh, there's a USB port. Let me plug it in. Or they yeah. see a cable like plugged in or just stand there. They're like, oh, let me charge my phone quickly. And they plug it in. It's like, don't do those sort of things. That's yeah, we, dangerous. We, we talked a couple of episodes ago, I think we talked about this, about the, the dropping of the USB thumb drives yeah. and stuff like that. But again, that same talk that uh, that I went to with Kevin Mitnick, he had a he had a guy come up on stage and he handed him a, a USB cable, a USB charging cable for his iPhone. And he's like, I want you to examine this cable. He's like, I'm examining it. He's like, okay. You know, and he's like, does it look any different? And he's like, nope. And he goes, okay, we're going to plug it in over here. And he plugged it in and he plugged it into the wall. Mm-hmm. He plugged it into the wall and then he, and then he pulled up his laptop on the screen and we could see that he was reading the guy's data off his phone. <laughs> I'm like, damn. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So stay away from, you know, stay away from strange devices this is also why you don't enable the USB, you know, the USB, uh, the data access on the USB ports when you put in a strange device. This is why you don't just randomly use random chargers out there. <laughs> Bring your own charger. Um, know thy cable. Um, <laughs> so the, the next one is another one that's that's kind of, and again, this is one of these like... Um, this is sort of like the cloud. The cloud is not bad, but the cloud is being used in bad ways. Bitcoin is not bad, but being but Bitcoin is being used in bad ways. And there's a couple of different articles that I saw on this. This one, the 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 CRN article doesn't specifically mention Starlink, but the other article did, and they were saying that that Starlink enables a lot of really cool stuff. And they were talking about how they were able to re-enable access in Ukraine, for example. Yep. When the modems got wiped and they lost access and. Right. Just similar to that, to that DR story that we had with uh, the Island that uh, they, they had to use wireless internet or they had to use satellite internet, which I'm guessing was not as good back then as it is now. But what he was saying was be concerned about, nation state hacking and with the advent of things like Starlink, you could be dealing with a nation state that doesn't look like a nation state. Yep. The lines get blurred, right? Between consumer. It's not not as easy as like, well, I'm just going to like, I don't do any business with anybody in Russia. I'm just going to block off all access from Russia. Right. Um, you know, I don't know if I ever told you, but I, the Backup Central got hacked once. Oh, really? Did I tell you that? Mm. It was a just years ago, but it was a SQL injection attack. Mm. And for 
for a relatively short period of time, I was flying some country's flag on the, <laughs> the front page of my website. And also, uh, I was, there was some stuff in my metadata that was bad stuff. Mm. I don't remember what it was, but it they had inserted stuff in my metadata, which didn't need to be there. Um, and that was the, that was the biggest evidence that, mm. that that's actually how I, something, something clued me in, but, um, yeah, it was SQL injection attack and I recovered via backups. Of course. Nice. Um, good news is backup central doesn't have a lot of like a huge change rate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like once a week I put in a new episode. So, yeah. Um, and since yeah. you were talking about backups, since we're talking about Ukraine, I can't remember where I was reading this article, but they were mentioning, they were talking about Ukraine and how they got hit with these attacks. Like, and they were talking about how, because they've been so like the IT industry there has gotten so used to dealing with disruptive operations. They're actually really, really good at restoring their environments because they're kind of doing it all the time. Like when not Petya hit, right. And other things like that, they're able to like quickly get up and running in like hours rather than like weeks that most other companies take because they're like, Oh yeah, we just drill. We practice, we practice, we practice. And so and they I, have it down. And I think the same is true of me. It's like the reason why I got so good at backup is because, it, it, you know, partly because I had a job and that was all I did was backups. But then I left that job to become a, quote, real sysadmin. And they put me at the headquarters of Amico. And they had the, the, the actual headquarters part, which is where I was at. They, they had an IT department that was kind of had been ignored mm-hmm. and so i was i was in there doing the, the the person that was running the it department uh just wasn't a very strong sysadmin and uh and so they brought us in to to assist and, and so we started doing things like crazy things like loading the most recent uh, <laughs> patches and rebooting the servers once in a while and things like that but but they were dying left and right mm. <laughs> and so so i just got really good at not only like just doing backups and restores, but doing bare metal backups yeah. and restores, which and is quickly you know, and painful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you can hear all about that in the episode. Uh, how I, what is something about how I got the nickname Crash? I think. Uh, did, uh, sure. This is a, we have an episode. We talked about how I used to be called Crash. Well, anyway, it's up there somewhere. One of those episodes. We'll find it. See if I can figure it out. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's how I got the nickname crash. Cause I was like, I was rebooting servers and they weren't coming back up. And then, so I got really good at it. So that's interesting. So, and the last talk, one, your what? favorite one. And the last one we need, we need a drum roll sound. <laughs> the fifth one is attacks against system backup. No one ever does and, that. Right. And you know, th- this has become huge, you know, and they're saying here, that backups were the last line of defense, but they're also becoming the first line of attack. And, you know, they're saying that the back the software used to create the backups have flaws and the backup software vendors have had to address these vulnerabilities. And, and I would say it's, 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 it's less of a flaw generally in the backup software itself, but more in the overall infrastructure 
right? Yes, there's also, I'd say that historically, backup software was not written with information security in mind. Back in the day, you had to be root to run (laughs) your backups. You had to be root everywhere. And so I, I used to joke a lot about the back, you know, backup admin. It's like, trust your backup admin because they can delete everything, including your backups. So that's no longer the case. And and I will say this, if you're back, I say it all the time. If your backup software still requires you to have root on servers that you're backing up and or root on the backup server in order to just run the backups, right. then you need to run. Don't walk <laughs> from that backup software product. The You should be able to put a junior person in charge of the backups, which you shouldn't do, but I'm just saying you should be able to do that. Put someone who does not have sysadmin privileges in charge of the backups, and, and they should be able to do everything that they need to do without needing root. root. Yep. Because you want to limit the blast radius, right? And the backup user itself is powerful enough, but the, you know, just limit the blast radius wherever you can. But the, but the biggest thing I think um, is, as I said earlier, is we talk about it a lot, is how people are storing their backups. So because all this data, right, there's a lot of data, there are a lot of systems you're backing up, right? Typically you end up writing to something, some other storage device for your backups. And a lot of, People just dump it out over a standard protocol like NFS or SMB, right? Which is great because now I can just bring in any storage array. I just plug it in. I now start backing up to it. Easy peasy. The downside is it's an open protocol, right? It's an open endpoint that anyone else can also access. So emphasis on open. (laughs) Yeah, it is open. Um, and so anyone can access it, which means if ransom, if a attacker exploits not even your backup server, but even any other server in the environment, they could potentially gain access to that mount and start accessing, deleting, exfiltrating, which is probably even a bigger issue, right? Your data, and you could be in trouble. Yeah, and, and I would say I would add to that just like the default installation of a lot of disk-based backup products is is not an NFS target. It's just a regular disk target, right? It's just a, you know, C colon backslash backups. Yeah. Um, that's not good either, especially if it's a Windows box. I, you know, yes, I prefer Unix and Linux, and yes, I think they're more secure. They're not perfect, but it is a stating a fact saying that Windows is the number one target for ransomware. Yep. It's not the only one, but it's definitely the number one. And so for your backups to be sitting on a Windows server and and then the backups are inside that server. Yep. <laughs> you know, so That's if probably that not server a good gets idea. attacked, you yeah. can you can do that. There are ways to address all of these concerns. Yep. Which right? we've talked By about using, in numerous. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Yeah. So but but I just do I do find it interesting because we talk about it a lot and sometimes <laughs> I I feel like I live in the, you know, in the echo chamber of of a backup company. And I'm like, yes, but it's nice to see the vindication of the RSA conference saying that one of the top five data risks right now is the, you know, the loss of your system because of how you're doing them. And, you know, and, and the, and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. The reason this is the case, I'd say two things one is hacking you know and 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 all and and 
ransomware and all of that. It's creating an industry. And so yeah. th- there's resources and stuff that, the, that, that the, the bad folks just didn't have back in the day. But the other is the end, the backup industries move from tape to disc as a primary protection mechanism. Yeah. And so it, it makes it really easy to get access to it if you haven't done the right things. Yeah. Um, go ahead. One of the articles on the SANS list of bad backups is from Tech Target. Mm-hmm. And there was a quote from the one of the presenters, right? Backups are boring. Boring is good. Keep it boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Backups are boring. That's why nobody wants to be the backup person. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I, you know, I, I saw that quote and I, I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. And I don't mean that like. Like I'm being insulted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think like I think that. instead of boring, I think it's what is it simple or yeah, keep it easy yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah. The, the problem is, the, it's nothing again, but <laughs> you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But and I work for a cloud backup vendor. But to me, the only way to do backups today easy is to use a SaaS product that does backups. Everything else is hard, right? Buy a box, secure that box, buy some backup software, secure that backup software, buy a backup target, secure that and all that stuff. You know, just all of that, that is not simple. It used to be simple. It is not simple anymore. And you can't just hand the keys to the backup kingdom to the the new person and expect them to figure all that out. Right. Here you go. Good luck. Good luck. Please, please keep the keys to our kingdom secure from all the bad you know, yeah. hackers out there. Uh, the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to use a SaaS service. Yep. And, 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 and by the way, it, it, you know, I, let, let me rephrase what I'm saying is the only way to do it simply. Yeah. You know, we've, we've had the guys from Veeam on here, right? I, I'm not anti Veeam and they've got answers to these concerns. It's simple if you know what you're doing, Yeah. but to me, um, and I'm not saying it's, I don't know. I'm, I, I just, I'm not attacking these folks. I'm just saying, there's nothing simpler than just put in an agent and point it, right? <laughs> you don't have any of the backend security issues to worry about stuff to worry about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, um, you know, I'm going to go maybe have a beer and, uh, think about my, all those people yelling at me <laughs> over, the, over the, over the election. You're not just going to start. Oh, about the election. Okay. Yeah. No, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go call all those people who told me I was wrong in the past. And you just have like a book <laughs> somewhere and you're just going through and crossing out line by line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awkward silence. <laughs> he didn't have... deny it. He might actually have a book. I don't know. Maybe I might have a book. I'm just saying. Yeah. Maybe I got it all up in here. You know, maybe you're, not you're good with it, names. Buddy. You're not good with names. I oh, know. okay. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. I am busted. I suck at names. Like literally, I mean, like people that I know and talk to all the time, it it hasn't happened to me with you yet, but I've had people that I've known for years and then I'll be talking to them and I'll be in the middle of a conversation with them and I'll realize I can't remember this person's (laughs) name. (laughs) This happened to me the other day. I was on a video call and mm-hmm. i was talking to the person and for some reason my mind just went blank and luckily though they had the name of the person at the bottom of the screen i was like oh thank god 
It's yeah. like someone I interacted with so much. Like I was like, I should know this. Yeah. And it, I, I met it. I met a new person, one of the folks that work with me at the election and uh, his name is, is Alan. I had to think about it for a minute. And the reason I had to think about it was because somebody else started calling him Larry. His name's not Larry, but they, they reminded him <laughs> of Larry. And so they started calling him Larry. And then halfway through the election, he just turns his badge over and he puts his, puts his name as Larry. I'm like, okay, for a guy like me, that that is not helpful. Like I, I, you're like it's already hard enough keeping track of one. It's already name. hard enough. And then he added another. He's like, well, my dad always called me Bob or something like that. Oh, I was like, like, stop. That's why I like. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks for <laughs> discussing the the RSA conference with me. For some. anytime, Curtis, and go enjoy your beer. <laughs> I will definitely do that. And remember, folks out there, thanks for listening. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. Go